Hey all, welcome to the Military Wire with Mike Schindler. This is the podcast where we interview America's most elite men and women who have served this country. We share their stories of overcoming, their proven lessons in leadership, and their journey to finding mission and purpose. Today's guest, uh, I'm excited about today's guest, mainly because I'm a sailor, but uh, Garrick Fernbaum is certainly one of America's elite and continues to strengthen communities and companies across this country. We'll be diving into how you can actually separate yourself from the pack. And before I jump into who Garrick is, I want to put a shout out to this segment's sponsors, uh, Honest Talk International and Circle for Parents. Both these organizations have a vetted network of experts that are standing by to help our listeners navigate issues related to nutrition, fitness, parenting, relationships, intimacy. I encourage you guys to visit their sites on birthtalk.com and circleforparents.com. And Circle for Parents is circle number four parents.com. Garrick Fernbaugh, former Navy SEAL and now president of Red Frog, a tactical curriculum development security consulting company that is breaking new ground in the science of tactical training. Garrick, welcome to the show. Thank you, Mike. Yeah, I mean, you are no stranger to separating yourself from the pack. I mean, you're a former Navy SEAL BUDS instructor, which is no easy task, and now uh, founder and president of Red Frog. What, where did you get the motivation to accomplish what you've accomplished? <laughs> the motivation? Well, I suppose it just start, it had started with, a, initially, before I joined the Navy, just a deep down desire to prove myself. I, I guess is kind of where that lands. Um, and to be brutally honest, um, I, my grades weren't very well in school growing up, and I was not feeling like a huge success. I guess that's how that all started. I, I had this idea to become a Navy SEAL when I was probably about 14 years old. So that thought had been in me for a long time. What was that based on? I mean, so I, I, I mean, it's not like you read comic books and said, "Hey, I want to be a Navy SEAL." Was it a movie? Was it? I, I mean, why Navy? There was very little information on the SEAL teams back then, so it was um, just reading some of these magazines that were around back in the day. There was like this gung ho magazine that was out there, and I think Soldier Fortune is still around. So I, I don't know, I had a curiosity and me and this little clique of friends that I was hanging around with would get dressed up in camouflage and shoot BB guns at each other and we're kind of into that type of thing, you know. <laughs> and, um, I was just getting the feeling I might have a talent for this type of work um, <laughs> based off of interactions with friends and whatnot. Um, but, you, you know, that it that isn't enough to become a Navy SEAL for sure. There was there was just some stuff that was driving me for sure. Um, I think it was it, to be brutally honest, like feelings of inadequacy and everything else. Just a desire to really do something with my life, and I. I don't think that's changed. Is that right? I mean, and you've got a long, I mean, you had a long career in this, in the Navy. I mean, as a SEAL, 20 year career, is that correct? Yeah, 20, 20 years in the Navy. Um, all but the last couple of years, I was very active, um, staying busy with that. I did 18 years of sea duty, as they call it in the Navy. Uh, so pretty much turning and burning. And the last two years, I, 
tried my hand at tapering down here in the Portland area where I'm at now. And um, so I'd gone from basically a life in the SEAL teams of, you know, running around a racetrack to Navy reserve life. <laughs> I finally got myself some orders at this reserve center and the city where I planned on retiring. So I'd moved up from San Diego to uh, Portland, Oregon, and I got settled in working at this reserve center as their base uh, security officer and facilities manager. And, and that was a really tough transition, to be perfectly honest. Yeah, walk us through that. I mean, you go from, you know, high tempo, high octane, you know, you a number of situations, I'm sure, in that 18 years is, you know, on the front lines, you, you develop certain attitudes, daily, you know, routines, disciplines, and then you go into a transition. I mean, you go from a tight knit community into transition. Walk us through that. How was that? That was that was rough. <laughs> it was rough in a in a lot of different ways. I mean, for sure, a tight knit community in which we're very elite, very elite professionals. Um, to the Navy Reserve Center life, which was like quite different than what I was used to. Not only that, but the rain that was up here in the Northwest. Oh yeah, no question, right? I wasn't accustomed to that. I think it was all hit me like a ton of bricks. I was. I was like, it hasn't stopped raining here in three months. And then, you know, like yeah. I moved up here in October and like three months later, I'm like, it, it's still been raining like every day. Yeah. If you weren't depressed before, then it, there's, yeah, you could be depressed now. Right. Yeah. 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 So, um, that was tough. It was also really good for me in a lot of ways. And our executive officer there at, at the command uh, was kind of in the same boat in a lot of ways. He had been an F-14 pilot his whole career and was kind of doing his last few years in the Navy. And him and I bonded. We're still friends to this day. Um, he flies for Delta Airlines now. Great, great guy. And I think we found some sanity in each other there in the Navy Reserve Center. Mm -hmm. Um but, you know, I guess I didn't scratch that itch um, is kind of what it amounts to. And I found myself contracting. I'd built up some terminal leave. So while I was still on terminal leave, I'm back over in Afghanistan um, contracting. And I did that hot and heavy for like seven years doing some other work for our government on, a, on an, an elite level. And that was kind of different. Um, was it the same, Garrick? Was, was, was that experience the same as the Navy SEALs or how was it different? Well, it was different in the way that in, in the SEAL teams were kind of the top of the food chain in the Navy in a lot of ways. Um, and we have support elements or that are always there to support us. Everything kind of exists for you. The tip of the spear, as they like to say. Um, and that was different. When I transitioned over to this other government work um, for one of our government intelligence agencies, no, I would say no longer tip of the spear. I'm kind of a um, just playing a different role, really. And Is that right? Work yeah. that I was proud of, but it certainly was different. Um, not looked at as being like the most elite guy walking around here anymore. Um which is what I was accustomed to. So it was like, hey, you know, 
understand your place here and fit in and contribute to this team in a, in a different kind of way. Um, it helped me grow and mature, I'd say, in a lot of different ways and good ways. Yeah, that's, you know, that's interesting because, you know, in the military, we, you know, we're recognized by either the salad on our chest or that, you know, the bars on our, you know, collar, yeah. or stripes on our sleeves. And then we transition and it's, it's like a clean slate, like a white piece of paper. That's a great um, way to put it. Yeah. And it's, and, and, and that can impact attitude, a number of Absolutely. things. I mean, how was your attitude impacted by this? I mean, did, did you... Because we see it often in transition, right? I mean, I know you and I both see it often in transition, guys that are transitioning out. What did you do to get your attitude back to a high altitude, so to speak? Yeah. Um, What did I do? You know, what's coming to mind right now is when I was going through buds way back in the day, one of my buds instructor was had said something to us like during one of our classes in first phase there he's like you know what makes seal team guys different he's like we will be the best at whatever it is that we do he's like if i leave the seal teams and i start driving a garbage truck around the city he's like i am going to be the best garbage man that city has ever seen um that resonated with me for some reason obviously all these years later i'm still repeating those words And when I started contracting, I was like, this is different. I'm like, I'm going to have to completely readjust my mindset. Um, I am here supporting a mission that is way bigger than myself or in in a lot of ways, much bigger than what we were doing in the SEAL teams. Um, And I'm going to be the best at what I do here. Uh, So that carried through again there. Yeah, that's so important. You know, it's uh, I, I mean, there's a there's a scripture that goes along with that, too. I believe it's Colossians, something along the line that says whatever you do. I mean, and that whatever mm-hmm. is like big and broad. Right. You know, mm-hmm. whatever you do, mm-hmm. do it dutifully. Uh, and it sounds like your instructor kind of ingrained that. In you. And I think that's so important. For I, I mean, I got to remember that stuff, too. I mean, it's I, I think that's a daily practice. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So you transitioned, you did contracting work. And then, so what happened? I mean, you can make a lifelong, well, maybe you can't make a lifelong uh, career out of contracting, but you're now CEO of Red Frog. Uh, and, and, and that's important work. I, I want you to share with the audience why you started this company, number one, and how it is making a difference. Okay. Well, yeah, the contracting work it's not much of a life. I was making great money, like about three times the amount of money I had been making when I was in the Navy. And, but it's not a life. Like my, I used to kind of jokingly say, I try, I head overseas and all my best friends are overseas. And it was kind of the sad truth, to be honest. So I had virtually no life back here in the United States. Um, my family's becoming more distant. Um, I'm getting just, um, I'm not decompressing, you might say, coming off of trips. So it's kind of adding up. It's taking its toll on me, you might say, over the over the period of years that I was doing that. And what I've decided is that I need, I need to get something going back here in the United States. So one of the big driving thoughts behind that was just how much money the government had spent training me and other guys like me. And I don't feel like 
those skill sets are being reutilized properly. There's a lot of different ways in which we can reutilize, I don't know, the level of professionalism, one that's been created in these guys. Um, But it's more than that. It's shooting skills. It's like a sense of tactical strategy that I can apply towards keeping kids safe in schools or helping our law enforcement guys, um, an active shooter response course that I have, um, and a mission planning side that goes along with that. But really, at the end of the day, what is Red Frog about? It's about um, reutilizing the skill sets of our special operations guys. That's what I'm really trying to recreate or create here is a framework that you, that does that. And, and applying that into the civilian sector, is it correct? Yeah. Yep, civilian sector, law enforcement. We do some we do some training for civilians. I refer to our civilians as outstanding citizens. Yeah, uh, that's who signs up for our courses. I love to do training for our law enforcement guys. That's every time I run a block of training for those guys, it kind of gives me that big warm and fuzzy at the end of the day, like I'm making the world a better place. And uh, we're starting to do more military training too, as well for some active duty units and um, assisting them, getting them ramped up. How how important is it? I mean, I I think, you know, the studies, if you look at the studies, you know, Garrick, you know, the the studies will show that in some ways we're safer than we were 25 years ago. But then you read another study that says, no, you know, schools and, and, you know, commercial buildings, et cetera, are more at risk than they've ever been before. What, What are you seeing on the front lines here? What I'm seeing on the front lines... This is how I refer to it. We're a patch on a problem that should be fixed at a much higher level. Um, So the number of active shooter incidents is increasing, according to the FBI. Um, And I'm not surprised there aren't more because this this is my observation. Um, I feel like we are conditioning people to kill. And via movies that are violent, unnecessarily violent. In fact, some of the movies that, that I'm seeing are in TV shows and series are ridiculously violent. Um, the video games. And um, here's my analogy. I go back to where we were at training the troops in World War II. And we trained our troops with a bullseye target. And we changed up that bullseye target to a silhouette target when we were training the troops to go to Vietnam. And we found that the hit ratios in combat went way up because it's not natural for a man to aim down the sights of his rifle and press the trigger and kill another man. It's not a good feeling. Nobody likes doing that. There's something wrong with you if you like doing that. Um, So it was how do we get our troops to be more effective in combat? Well, they found in Vietnam, a silhouette target helped that tremendously. And since Vietnam, The training has become so much more realistic in what we're doing, not just in the SEAL teams, but military-wide. And um, so with that concept in mind, I look at other ways that we're conditioning, not just our military guys, to be able to more effectively engage in combat, but the whole civilian populace. I firmly believe the civilian populace is being conditioned to kill zombie movies. I mean, that trans- that transition mentally from killing zombies to humans, I'm going to say is like not a big jump. 
And it's alarming to me. Yeah. Uh, so I'm kind of surprised there aren't more more issues. And I expect this trend is going to continue to get worse until we solve this at a much higher level. Yeah, this is, you know, this is pretty interesting. I mean, you're talking about, and, and I'm glad you brought that up in Vietnam. I mean, we dehumanize the enemy essentially is what we did. Right. So, and, and we do that today in video games. And I know there's, you know, a push for, you know, people to, you know, for companies to really, you know, lock those down. But then there's that whole push that, hey, you know, at, at what point does that violate free speech and, you know, creativity, et cetera. But I think you're nailing on something more important is, you know, I get that there's free speech and I am probably one of the strongest advocates of that, as I know you are. But at the same point, there's got to be limits to that. And, you know, when yeah. we're talking about people thinking it's OK to go into schools or buildings and, and you know. It, it, that's a problem. And, and I, I guess I say, I share that to say, I'm glad you're, you're back on the front lines in many ways, really equipping communities to protect themselves. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. I'm about trying to make the world a safer, better place at the end of the day and reutilize some of these skill sets that we have that can help make that happen. Yeah. That's I, is so important. So important. I'm, I'm glad you're out there doing that work. You know, it's, it, I, I think many will find it interesting that here you are, you know, Navy SEAL, former Navy SEAL, uh, trained to really, you know, keep the world safe from evil, right. You know, trained to do things that other people will not do. And you transition, you use that skill to do exactly what you're doing, to make the world a safer place and to do it without violence, hopefully. Uh, and to, yeah, to give them the skills to, you know, do threat assessments or, you know, to understand how to, you know, mitigate risk. Um, yeah. I, you know, Garrick, thank you for doing it. What, now how can people find you? What, if they want to engage your services, how, how can they find you? They can find us on redfrogteam.com. Uh, we're on Facebook and Instagram as well. We've got a pretty big presence going on there. Um, if you take a look at the website, you'll notice kind of a law enforcement section where we have some different blocks of training for those guys. And we have a variety of courses for some civilian folks as well. Hmm. Social media, engaged in social media as well, correct? Absolutely. Yep. Yeah, that's good. So, Garrick, we talked about transition, you know, and how it was a bit of a struggle um, I, I know that, you know, as a SEAL, there was things that you had to overcome, you know, as a career doing that. What's that one piece of advice you would give those who are transitioning when it comes to finding a new sense of mission, purpose, a grounding? What would you say? Yeah. I mean, that new sense of purpose is kind of what it's all about. It, it can be difficult for sure. Um. My, I have a little bit of advice, I guess you could say, re regarding that. I would say um, in a, a bit of a strategy and finding your purpose might be to take just a piece of paper and write down at the top of, piece, of that piece of paper um, what you find to be rewarding in life, what you have previously found to be rewarding, what you have previously found to be challenging. That's another piece of paper. Um, what you found that pushed you towards personal growth there's another piece of paper uh what do you feel caused you to become a a better person 
Um, what are your talents? There's another sheet. We'll try and write down at least 10 reasons for each of these on each piece of paper. Um, what would others say about you? What would others say your talents are? What do you feel your talents are? Um, and I think in doing this, you're going to get another, a better, a different look of yourself and find that purpose, hopefully. Um, and then at the end of the all, what I, what's kind of worked for me is I've just got this goal, this vision, the light at the end of the tunnel, so to speak. And I mm. persevere. Um, whatever obstacles there are in the way, I, I'll overcome them. Um, as I'm still contracting overseas, I finished my degree up in Afghanistan. I'm like, okay, next step. So next step, I've got this company I want to launch. I better learn how to um, build a website. So I did. So I like started researching that and I found out how to get it, get something online. And while I was within about a week or so of finishing my degree, I had something online. As be honest, I was pretty thrilled about it. It's just like one page. <laughs> it was like simple, you know what I mean? But I was kind of jumping up and down like I did it. <laughs> I actually got something on the internet that I created. I, I um, that's awesome. <laughs> and it just kind of gone from there. I would say small business owners this day and age absolutely positively have to know how to do their own website stuff because you will go broke paying somebody yeah. else to run your website. Um, and it's, it's hard. In a lot of ways, this is harder than going through buds. Um, you got to persevere and you got to be thinking through problems every day. Um, figuring out how you're going to make it make it work. Uh, the marketing aspect. Um, I'm going to go buy a, and I did. I bought books on marketing and branding and everything else on to just get beefed up on that. And but and whatever it is, if I didn't know how to do it, I was going to learn how to do it to achieve my goal at the end of the day. Well, see, and I love that because you you go back to you know something that. We used to say on board ship was, you know, the only thing standing between me and who I want to be is training. And I, I think you've kind of, you know, you summarize that with all these little series. And I love that. That's a personal inventory that you were giving people is take a personal inventory of your life, who you are, what you like, what you don't like, uh, you know, your strengths, your weaknesses and what drives you. And I think that's so important. Um, Derek, I, I want to thank you for being a guest on this show. Um, Thanks, Mike. Yeah, you're doing you're doing great work. Thank you. And listeners, please check it out. Derek Fernbaugh, President, CEO of Red Frog. Excuse me, President. I think you have another CEO, but uh, you can find Derek at RedFrogTeam.com. Be sure to check him out. Derek, again, thank you for being on the show. Thank you so much, Mike. It's really nice talking with you today.